everybody. Welcome to the Anne Marie podcast. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, I highly recommend either after this episode or even now if you want to leave this episode, listening to episodes two and three. Episode two being the two main religions and three being the lie of neutrality. The reason why I suggest these two episodes is because they lay a lot of groundwork for episodes that come later on. All right, I know I keep saying I'm going to get part three C out and I'm really close to getting that done. I think I have a good outline written out, but I wanted to still work on some fine tuning before I record it and get it out to you guys. However, for this episode, we will try something a little different. This may end up being a different format than my other episodes. Today we're going to talk about NAR-influenced music being played in Turkey, specifically in worship. If you listened to my episode where I talked about my top five favorite books of the year so far in 2023, I mentioned a book on the NAR, New Age Reformation Movement. I want to do a series where I continue to talk about those issues too because I think that they are important, just as important as the issues of evolution, the issue of Marxism and wokeism that are being infiltrated into the churches. With these issues comes the need for an awakening or a true revival to happen in this nation. The more I learn about these topics, the more I listen to people who, as far as I can tell, have a better understanding of this and know exactly what they're talking about than I do, especially on the political side of things. I'm not very good at explaining politics, I would say at all. Maybe some others might say I'm better at it than I think I am, but theology is usually where I like to go because I think for a body of professing Christians, people who profess to believe the gospel, I think it's time that a lot of churches, especially the churches who would consider themselves conservative, I think it's time that we take the time to really ask ourselves how well we are living out a biblical worldview, especially in our worship. And that is where the issue with this NAR music that is being infiltrated in churches. I just finished re-listening to a video by Spencer Smith on YouTube where he was talking about the use of NAR music in churches. In his video, he did say that it's been years since he first started getting this information out and it's time that your church is using NAR music. The three biggest NAR-influenced music would be Bethel, Hillsong, and Elevation. And he lists those three. Bethel especially, that's what the NAR book that I read really went after. But Hillsong and Elevation were also listed. At least Hillsong was. I'm trying to think if Elevation was listed in that book or not. It might have been mentioned, but I know it's been mentioned in interviews that I have watched with the authors of that book that I read. Counterfeit Kingdom is the name of it. Anyway, I think I already said Spencer Smith says to get out of these churches that are using it. If you've been trying to use persuasion after persuasion after persuasion to move your pastor or your elder to say no to Hillsong, saying no to 
Bethel or Elevation. Jesus Culture is another big name in that one. Gateway Worship, I believe, is another one that's big in the NAR movement. I would argue there is a bit of a broad brush stroke painted by uh, Spencer Smith in this video when he's talking about despite how many views they've had, people are still doing it. I don't think there's any way for us to prove that every single pastor has watched all these videos where they talk about the dangers of Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation. However, I do agree with the big picture of what he's saying, and that is that I don't believe churches who want to live out a biblical worldview, who want to teach a biblical worldview, should be playing music from these churches. I know that one thing that people are probably, you the listener, may be thinking is, well, what about songs that aren't that bad? In the videos that I will be getting ready for later on this topic, I will go into more detail on the doctrine, if you will, I guess if you want to call it that, of the NAR movement, which will hopefully open some eyes and ears, minds and hearts to what I am saying on this topic and the reality that whenever a church plays Hillsong, Elevation, Bethel music, they are paying royalty fees to those churches. Those royalty fees are what are keeping those churches going. When you're sending money, it's almost as if you are approving of the message that that church is currently endorsing. The money that these churches get is just incentivizing them to continue on with this NAR quote-unquote theology. Furthermore, when you have young ears in your audience, when you have teenagers and children listening to this, especially if they're able to get on the internet and go on YouTube and find the videos of this, they're going to be listening to music with these NAR messages. I don't want to say hidden in them, but they're NAR messages messages that are wrapped up in Christian language, if you will, Christian terms that have just been redefined to mean something else. If you've listened to my previous episodes where I talk about living out a biblical worldview, it has to start with God is our authority. The God of the Bible is our authority. As Allie Beth Stuckey points out on her podcast all the time, the most loving thing that you can do is agree with God. That doesn't mean we fully understand everything because we are mere humans. However, if we are growing in our biblical worldview, growing in our understanding of how God created the world, how God created the world to run God's morality, as I'm reading through the Old Testament over and over and over again, God has warned his people after he set out instructions on how to live civilly amongst each other. He continually warns them, if you obey my commandments, things will go well with you. If you don't, you will suffer. Now, that doesn't mean that if we obey the Lord and his commandments that we won't experience any suffering at all. But it does mean that if we are following God, we want to keep God at center. We want to go through life trying to make sure that we are putting God at the front and center of our lives and he is our ultimate authority. That doesn't mean we always do that perfectly, but it means as we go through and we find out, hmm, I don't think that what I've always thought of that is right in the sense of a biblical worldview. 
I might be wrong on that. That's the whole process of sanctification. We find out maybe we had a wrong thought and we can change that. That is part of what following God means. It means you're trying to put him at the center. He's your ultimate authority. If you're reading his word and you suddenly realize I have gotten this wrong, this is what I should be doing. This is how I should think about this topic. The Bible also calls us to discernment, which I believe is incredibly lacking within the church. This is where I see a lot of the issues with NAR music still being used in many churches, even churches that say they have a conservative view, which is where your view should be headed to if you are actually reading your Bible and trying to understand God's character and his ways more. It should be heading in that direction where you should be becoming more and more conservative. You should be becoming more and more discerning. I believe as we read more, as we use discernment, we should be realizing there are voices that all themselves Christian, use the Christian name, the Christian label, that aren't really Christian. They aren't biblically sound. It seems that in today's world, where the church is at, is basically anything goes. It's all about love, love, let's hold our hands around the campfire and sing kumbaya. We don't even have a biblical definition of love anymore in the church. It's far as I'm concerned, generally speaking. We don't have a biblical definition of kindness. We don't have a biblical definition of justice. We don't have a biblical definition of redemption. We don't have a biblical definition of grace. We seem to believe that that means you never experience the wrath of God because he has gone so far against his ways and I'm not turned away from that area of sin. Even the terms righteousness and virtue have been turned upside down from our culture, and that definition is being infiltrated into the church on what is righteous, what is virtuous, to where I don't believe the church ever stands on anything, to be blunt. That's why I'm trying to slowly do my series on biblical worldview and the question of origin from that. I don't think the church has a good understanding of why evolution is wrong and what the Bible actually says on creation. As I slowly go through this and study scriptures along with the book that I'm using as my guide to help me know what scriptures to go to on these issues and keeping the main focus as what does God say? Because he's our ultimate authority on this issue. He's also our ultimate authority on worship. He's our ultimate authority on what music we should and should not allow to be sung in worship time at church. I believe this is another area where there is a lot of compromise because the church wants to be relevant to the world. They want to be accepted by the world. Just like they want to go with the be nice, be kind motto of the world, which redefines what kindness is. They've basically done the same thing with worship, as I understand it, with using Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation, Jesus Culture, music at all. When we sing, 
The words matter. The theology matters. And right now, it seems that most of this contemporary Christian music is just a lot of feel good, all about God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. Nothing seems to be about God's wrath. Nothing goes into detail about God's justice, what God calls good versus what God calls evil. Essentially, ever since the church decided to get out of politics, get out of philosophy, that's a reason as to why that stuff is off the table. We have to talk about love and grace and kindness and forgiveness and never really get to the truth of the matter. When it comes to this NAR, quote-unquote, theology that is being taught in Hillsong, Bethel Elevation, as I said earlier in this podcast, every time your church sings that song, you're paying royalties to that church. Whether your church leaders see it that way or not, or mean it that way or not, every time you're paying that royalty fee, you are saying you agree with the theology of that church. You're agreeing with Hillsong's theology. You're agreeing with Bethel's theology. You're agreeing with Elevation's theology. It doesn't matter if the theology may sound biblically sound. Just because they use biblical terms doesn't always mean that they are following biblical doctrine. In this video that I referenced, Spencer Smith, he talked about how he, well, he touched about how worship leaders specifically, and I would say even to a certain extent, the senior or head pastor of a church and the elders, or at least a couple elders on an elders board, they should be doing their research on the groups that they choose to sing songs from in worship. And there should be some deep research going into this. It shouldn't be just basic, well, let's just believe everything the internet says. You need to know about that church, what their doctrine is. If you cannot find anything about their doctrine, that should be a red flag to say, uh, we probably shouldn't be singing their music. There should be that kind of research going into this to make sure that what we are singing is theologically sound, biblically sound. The words aren't just being twisted to mean something else than what scripture means by them. The younger generations and young Christians, maybe they're you know 50 years old, but have only been a Christian for three, four years, they would still count as young Christians, or you may have adults in their 20s who have grown up in the church, but their brains are still developing. If they're 20, 21, I think even into age 25, the brain is still developing, or the frontal lobe, excuse me, the frontal lobe is what's still developing. They're going to be influenced by the music that we sing, which is why the theology matters. And while I'm on this topic with NAR music, I know I've said other things in here on some rabbit trails of other areas that I think just needs a lot of reassessment in the church. If you are finding that you have to change lyrics to a song to make them more theologically sound or more fit with the theology that your church professes, if you're having to do that, especially more than one, two times, and it's more consonant, why are you singing that music in the first place? 
younger generations are going to be able to go to YouTube and find the music with the original words sung anyway. So how does that make any sense? Going along with what I said earlier about we want to go along with the world, we want to sing music that's irrelevant. I said earlier, theology is what should be driving the music. A lot of Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation music is purposely emotionally manipulative, while the quote-unquote theology isn't really theology. It's not biblically tied. Our worship should be about the words and not about making this music relevant to our culture so it will be widely accepted. And then maybe people will come to know Jesus because it'll be a good witness, especially when it's this emotional manipulation that's used to drive the lyrics into the heart of the person singing it, that's when it's crossed the line. The music should reflect the lyric, not writing emotional music and then basically putting in what I would refer to as kumbaya, feel-good lyric in there. What NAR music does is it pushes an agenda, and I'll explain this further when I go into the NAR theology and what it actually is, and hopefully that will persuade those of you listening that this isn't something, this is something that shouldn't be messed with in churches, and it shouldn't be messed with when it comes to worship. Worship in our churches should be seen as sacred. It should be seen as a very sacred part of our life, walking with the Lord, and it should be taken seriously. The words matter. The intention behind the person who penned the words should matter to us. Yet, in this culture, I'm not persuaded that the words really do matter in most churches. I'm not persuaded that we thought through worship seriously and vigorously enough to have our feet on solid ground and to say, we need to be making sure that this music, the intent behind it, the lyrics, the intent behind the lyrics, we need to make sure that this is music that as believers who want to follow God with our entire being, that we can sing not feeling like we're violating our conscience. Worship pastors and leaders need to be discerning about the music that they're playing. Two more issues with NAR music, and then I'm going to wrap up this podcast for us today. One is the idea that you could have someone who was in the NAR movement, who was under the NAR influence, who has gotten themselves out of the NAR influence, who want to learn what the real biblical Jesus is in your congregation, especially if you are in a big church where you don't know everybody or where there are just so many people to talk to, you don't always get to make your rounds to everybody. That can be confusing for someone who has gone from a complete NAR church and has, by the grace of God, come out of it, wanting to learn more about what the Bible actually says, and then they go to a church that may seem very conservative and they may have biblically-based views that are typically conservative, that tell that person that it's a good church. But then they hear NAR music, and that can be confusing. It can be a stumbling block to them. If we're going to care about our fellow believers, we should try to think through, okay, could this be a stumbling block to someone who's already been in that movement? Yes, it could be. 
the second point that I want to make before I wrap everything up in this podcast, because I know it's going to be kind of lengthy, is that pride comes before the fall. Where I'm going with this point that I want to make is that if a pastor, a worship leader, or anybody, an elder, anybody who's in a place of authority in a church and how they function, if anybody thinks that for one moment that this NAR teaching is never going to take hold of their church, if you think for one moment that it's never going to take hold of your church, you better watch out because that is how the enemy works. You think that something will never happen to your church? Well, never say never. Guess what? It probably will happen to your church, especially if you're in a big church where there's it takes a lot more effort to learn everybody's names, to learn everybody's faces. As I had said earlier, young kids can get on the internet, go to YouTube and YouTube Hillsong's music or Bethel's music. Anybody of any age has access to this information of the NAR movement. If you watch some secular TV or read some secular book, you will find that there is New Age or NAR-based teachings in it. Do not become so ignorant and arrogant that you fall into that trap of thinking it would never happen here. It would never happen here. Because newsflash, if you think it's never going to happen, you've just made yourself an easy target for the enemy. An easy target to be deceived. Going back to what I was summing up earlier, worship should be considered sacred. It should be considered a sacred act within the church. You guys, this should not be taken lightly. These issues within the NAR movement, which I will talk about in episodes to come, because I think it is that important that we know the exact theological issues with the NAR, quote-unquote, theology. I will leave links to some videos in the description that you can go and listen to others talking about it. I will also be sure to mention the book that I read about it so that if you want to get the book and read it for yourself, you can do that as well. As far as Spencer Smith's advice to get out of the church that is still using NAR music, I would say that is an issue that's best left up to prayer and discernment. Try to communicate your reasons for why we shouldn't play this music, see if there's anybody on the pastoral staff or the elder board who has seen it even close to how you see it. We have far too many conservative churches using our music, so I would definitely, definitely try to work within your church first. Just use prayer and discernment. If you're praying and the Lord's telling you you need to get out, then get out. If you're praying and the Lord's telling you to keep trying to, figuratively speaking, fight this NAR movement in your church, then I would recommend staying in obedience. That's the end of this episode today. If you would like to listen to more of these episodes, you can follow the Anne-Marie podcast via the website podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show. 
slash and dash m dash riddle. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Chromecast Player. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Anne-Marie Podcast. I hope that this episode has given you something to think and pray about as you go throughout the rest of your day.